You're listening to the Know the Cause podcast with Doug Kaufman. Visit us online at knowthecause.com and join the conversation at facebook.com slash knowthecause. This is kind of a once a year opportunity when Dr. Greg Emerson gets here from Brisbane, Australia. Um, I love sitting down and talking with him and take the next 25 minutes or so and listen to what this doctor has to say. We met each other because of a mutual interest in mold some years ago. He's a physician, sees lots of patients, learned a lot about mold and has been able to help those patients. But folks, we were just having a little chat here. We were doing television shows and makeup, a little time to, to sit and, and update ourselves. And he was saying, Doug, so many times we physicians can get a patient up to a, if you want a 10, and I'm at a one, I got all these symptoms going on, but I wanna be a 10. How come, Doc, you can only get me to a four or five? What do we need to do? I'm following everything you told me. What do I need to do to get to nine or 10? And man, you had some great advice. Thank you, first of all, for coming in and being with us. Oh, I love coming. I love Texas, love coming to the US. Yeah, yeah. Uh, coming back in December, actually, to do some uh, training with um, some special forces. Oh. Uh, I've learned this year to be uh, vulnerable. I've learned to be much more, not this year, but over the last 10 years, I've learned to embrace vulnerability and get rid of some of my suits of armor. But it doesn't mean I'm still not going to be a warrior. I think it's the reflection of the yin of yang of life, mm. of, uh, uh, you know, I, I still want to be a warrior, but I don't want to be covered in, uh, in, in armor constantly. And also want to let love and vulnerability in. Because, of course, if you're covered in armor, and, and you learn that as a young man, particularly as, as a doctor working in hospitals, you have to cover yourself in armor. But the trouble is covering armor in that you sure you don't feel any pain, but also don't feel uh, a, a love and joy as much either. So you said you've been feeling like a naked samurai. Yes. You know, well, I mean, you take you, you, yes, yes. You're much more vulnerable as a naked samurai. I can still be a warrior, mm-hmm. but I've also very easy to drop the sword and embrace love and gratitude yep. and vulnerability as well. Uh, and you go, well, aren't you going to get hurt a lot? Well, now you just be, you, the samurai uses uh, cunning and, and intelligence rather than armor and, well, what, to protect themselves. Why the vulnerability? I mean, I know your dad passed. My heart's broken about that. You were with him when he died, and then mom is having tremendous number of health problems. What makes one vulnerable? Well, I think, I think the ex, the, you have to accept that you're going to be vulnerable. And I was at a talk recently where they were talking about this and they said, somebody asked the speaker the same question. How do you avoid the risk of relationships? How do you fall in love with somebody and guarantee that you're not gonna get hurt? How do you fall in love with somebody and give them your heart and, and make sure that they stay? Well, you can't. Life is about risk. I, I, I jumped on a plane to come here and visit you today. There's risk in that. We're sitting here today, we don't know what's going to happen. Life is about risk. You just have to embrace that risk. And that's where some of the joy and excitement of life, if you have just certainty in your life, if we had absolutely no adversity, we had uh, no uncertainty, we're going to be miserable. In fact, there's a very good uh, book uh, that I read recently, uh, which is called something about, written by Mark Manson, uh, How to Not... The, the, the art of not giving as many Fs about things. <laughs> and good. it's a snappy title, but it's actually an extraordinarily good book. And um, Do the courses you're taking, like this uh, special force course, I know you're very involved in those, do those help you become less permeable? You know, do those toughen you? No, it, 
Well, I think, again, it's the yin and yang of life. You want adversity, you want happiness, you want joy, you want sadness. Some of the biggest changes in my life, well, perhaps the biggest changes in my life have, me, have come from me overcoming adversity. And the biggest changes I've made in my life recently came through great pain, and great pain is a teacher. You don't get great pain, you're not gonna learn. And one of the essential things uh, for humans is, is growth. And uh, you, you're going to get that growth from overcoming adversity. So you want joy, you want sadness. You want protein, you want fat. You want plenty, you want starvation. It makes us strong. It's called hormesis. Mm. Uh, hormesis means that stress is incredibly good for homo sapiens in short bursts. What is disastrous for homo sapiens is constant long-term stress, which is what everybody is under. Sure, we're not getting chased by saber-toothed tigers anymore, but we've all got too much debt, politicians are going crazy, we don't know what's gonna happen, uh, we're, uh, we're and the biggest health problem in the United States at the moment is loneliness because mm. of our new lifestyles. And it's those lifestyles, perhaps, and the conditions that we find ourselves in, which segues back to your original question for me, is how come if people do what I say and do what you say, sure we might get them from a two out of 10 up to a six out of 10, then they're writing to us and saying, Greg, you got rid of my fungus, you, I moved out of the moldy house, you got rid of my parasites, I fixed my thyroid, but I still don't feel fantastic, why is that? And that's really where what we should be talking mm. about in this podcast is mm -hmm. what is being done to all of us, which is largely outside of our control unless we make some changes uh, to avoid those adversities. Are these obstacles to which we have to go under, over, or through? I mean, do you see some of these things? For example, Wi-Fi. I don't feel it, Greg, but we put it in our home and we don't like it. Um, we have these smart meters, they're called. Who'd call them a dumb meter? A uh, smart meter where now the electric company can just tap into our computer. We don't know if it's accurate, um, but they're tapping in, and I'm sure manipulating fees and so forth. And uh, a lot of people are experiencing health problems when that meter is by the headboard in your bedroom and so forth. So there's all these impositions, government regulations, local regulations, and so forth. Um, and these are barriers too good to experiencing a nine of 10. At what point do you teach your patients, I'll tell you what, I can get you to a six, then you've gotta study if you wanna get to an eight. Because we're at various, a patient who comes to you might be considered a first or second runger on this ladder, 10 rung ladder. And uh, you and I might be four or fives, you know, and there are people smarter than us and not so smart. But patients brand new at this, wow, I quit eating bread and I feel so much better. So you must teach them that there will be obstacles, I can get you this far, and then dig in, learn, and grow from that. Yeah, you have to, you have to make sure people's expectations are reasonable because there's only so much you and I can do. And I think people always say you can only pull your own parachute cord, okay. you can't pull yep. other people's. And I think it's, it's about raising awareness because people are just not aware of the insidious encroachment of these universal insults to homo sapiens. One is stress, two is uh, toxins. You know, they've found glyphosate now yeah. in rainwater. 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 So you can live on an organic farm in the middle of nowhere. They've done that study now with people who these people living on organic ashrams, and they're still full of these toxins because the toxins are pervasive. 
And the third one is the abnormal lighting and electromagnetic frequencies. Now, you and I have just spent the morning talking about how important the gut is and the microbiome is to health, and we also talked about how essential mitochondrial health is. What destroys mitochondria? What destroys the gut? Well, parasites and mold, you and I can fix that. But also, we can't fix that there's glyphosate in rain. We can't fix the fact that the mobile phones now are classed by the World Health Organization as 2B carcinogens. If you're holding your phone, if you're keeping your mobile phone on your body, and I see lots of men, Pocket. pockets. I saw a man in the airport yesterday with his mobile phone in his breast pocket over his heart. I mean, that's like smoking a cigarette constantly. That's a huge amount of abnormal EMFs going to your vital organs. And we now know that your average 40-year-old man has a testosterone and a sperm count of 50% of what his I read the same father thing. was at the same age of yep. 40. Yep. And the science has come out that's come from the EMFs. So not only does glyphosate uh, alter your microbiome, but does so does EMFs. These, the Wi-Fi's, the phones, the 4G going to 5G, and also the abnormal light. The, the stuff, and you and I discussed John Ott's book on light and what he found was extraordinary. And the, the fact that we have divorced ourselves from the infrared and UV light, and now we sit in front of computer screens and phones, which have just got the blue light, which is a poison for our mitochondria. And again, the whole advice on the sun turned out to be a disaster. We had the, what in Australia was called the slip, slop, slap campaign, which was slip on a shirt, slap on a hat, and slop on some sunscreen. Also put some shoes on your feet and separate yourself from the earth. So we have separated ourselves from the electrons from the earth and the power of the sun, which we used for health for millions of years by this campaign. And sure, we stopped a couple of skin cancers, but we caused huge problems with breast and bowel cancer from low vitamin D by divorcing ourselves from electrons from the earth and the sun, and also disturbing our microbiome from the EMFs. So what, I don't, don't want to talk about problems, we've got to talk about solutions. solutions so yeah. what do we do? What do we do the fact that glyphosate is pervasive? What do we do about the fact that abnormal EMFs are pervasive? Tell um, people what gly, uh, gly, glyphosate is, I'm sorry. So glyphosate is the, the main component of uh, Roundup, but interestingly I went to a talk in New Zealand a few years ago where they were talking about how that all the studies on glyphosate <coughs> Mm -hmm. uh, which showed that it was a bit of a poison. What they didn't do was they didn't do the study on the Roundup itself, which not only is glyphosate, but another several other ingredients, and it's this conglomerate of ingredients which was so toxic. So we've got to have a strategy for environmental toxins, and we've got to have a strategy for uh, our exposure to these abnormal EMFs and toxic lighting. Mm -hmm. And you're right, it is pervasive. I mean, they're spraying this stuff... This is the big company doing this, you know, spraying it all over the place. It doesn't shock me when I see where it shows up. It doesn't shock me when I'm told I need a smart meter for my home so they don't have to hire. The logic might dictate that if they don't have to hire these 3,000 people to go to your home anymore, our rates should go way down. They've done just the opposite. They've gone way up. And so all of that, you know, question. Now, Greg, there's this whole thing coming out now to question your doctor. You know, is your diagnosis accurate? Is your doctor using antibiotics because he shouldn't be? In other words, the media are now the doctors. You know, they're, they're sitting with the emergency room with a guy with a broken collarbone and his head bashed in from a car wreck. 
Um, you were an emergency room doctor, but you also general practice. I mean, you see patients also, right? No, or is it just... no, I don't do general practice. Okay, just emergency. I, no, no, I, I retired from emergency medicine 15 years ago for a number of reasons. And then I, I think I did what, what you'd call in the United States functional medicine, which okay. recognized the body is not just... I mean, medicine's become so super specialized now. You've got, you've got surgeons who are just specialists in the finger. Right. You know, that's all they do. Yeah. Um, and then we went to functional medicine, was realized that the body wasn't just isolated organs. You couldn't just have a liver doctor or a toe doctor or an uh, eye doctor. You had to recognize that everything, strangely, was all interrelated. But through adversity and some things I've been through, I've really changed the way I practice medicine now. And I, I don't even think there's a name for it. I might call it quantum anthropological biological medicine or something like that. But I always relate it back to the Matrix movie where, you know, uh, the Neo who's meant to be the one uh, gets shot and dies and Trinity says you can't be dead because you're the one and she kisses him and he wakes up and instead of seeing the room as being a corridor and a wall, he sees it as what it actually is, which is this computer program. And now once you see the body not just as a collection of organs, but this electromagnetic field filled with mitochondrial and electron chains, then you can start realizing how the glyphosate and the blue light and our separation from the earth and the sun, which we evolved on for millions of years, has really, really impacting every single person's health on this planet. Can I ask you, I've been lecturing recently about cancer and fungus and mold and so forth, and the three M's at every meeting, not uh, two years ago it was one of them, now it's every meeting I go to. The three M's in cancer care uh, and in medicine in general have become mitochondria, marijuana, and uh, mushrooms. Can I ask you about each of those? Sure. You use the word mitochondria, and that's because you're a very learned guy. I mean, you, you know what's going on right now with mitochondria. It's enforcing my work. It's endorsing everything I've been saying. But teach us a little bit about your thoughts on mushrooms, marijuana, and mitochondria. Well, let's start with mitochondria, because okay. that's probably my passion. Okay. Um, uh, I mean, mitochondria are a fascinating area because it's where we produce all our energy. And you're basically reversing photosynthesis. So the tree takes uh, carbon dioxide and it takes sunlight and it takes water and it produces food and oxygen. And without that process, there would be no life on this planet. That's what allows, if you don't have food and oxygen, we're in some trouble. Now, interestingly, because I do a lot of survival stuff and I'm probably gonna forget where I was talking about, it's fascinating because we have this rule of threes in survival, which is that you can survive without food for three weeks, you can survive without water for three days, you can sh uh, survive without uh, air for three minutes, uh, you can survive without shelter in inclement, inclement weather for three hours, but I'd always say the next one is how long can you survive without your mitochondria if you just switch them off? You can pr probably survive for three nanoseconds yeah. because they control everything in the body. So that's how important the mitochondria are. Are they in our cells, right? They're or inside the cells. cells. Okay. They used to be bacteria, but now they've crawled into our cells and found a home, and it's a win-win situation. We've given them a comfortable home, and they have given us ATP, which gives us the, the energy. And the, we've got a quadrillion of them. 
in our body. And the, the, the more vital organs, the highest organs, actually the female ovary has the highest number of mitochondria. So when you start thinking about abnormal electromagnetic frequencies and uh, glyphosate and molds, which are mitochondrial toxins, then you start looking at fertility problems, but also the heart and the brain. So if you don't think that molds and toxins and abnormal EMFs are affecting your brain, heart, or your fertility, you don't really understand about right. mitochondria. Right. Okay, now we've got mitochondria. Tell me about your thoughts on marijuana as a, we'll, we'll separate the THC, the psychoactive component of it, from the cannabinoids. Uh, and we have these uh, oils, these CBD, uh, CBD oils, cannabinoid oils. If you were in horrible pain from cancer or fall or any number of things, would you opt for this natural uh, component of a plant or would you look at things, you know, a lot of people say to heck with that, give me a medication, I wanna be out of pain. Where's your heart on that? Well, you know, 20 years ago I was uh, working as an assistant clinical professor at the University of Alberta Emergency Department in Edmonton. And if you come in with a car accident and your leg's broken in the femur, and uh, I'm going to, I've got the choice of giving you some Panadol tablet or an injection of morphine, and somebody tells me that uh, morphine is related to heroin, which is a drug of abuse, therefore we have to ban morphine. You can imagine how an emergency department is gonna function if I say, sorry, I can't give you morphine for your car accident or your heart attack, I've gotta give you Panadol. Right. That's the only thing illegal. <laughs> Which is this incredible dichotomy that we're, oh, hang on, heroin, yes, heroin bad on the street, shouldn't be on the street, but morphine good if used appropriately as a medicine in the appropriate situation. I cannot, for the life of me, how you go, okay, here's this incredibly medicinal plant which has been used as a medicine for a long and it's got a lot of science behind it. Sure, you can have your opinion whether or not the recreational use of marijuana is appropriate or not. That's not what this show is about. This show is about, is it appropriate to use as a medicine? Well, it's as appropriate as using morphine in an emergency department. It's a substance with naturally occurring, phenomenally medicinal substances, which homo sapiens should be able to use if it's appropriate scientifically. The one question I get asked most after I give my talk, and this is by lay public and physicians alike, is what's wrong with mushrooms? There are medicinal components to mushrooms. And you know, what I've always told them, Dr. Emerson, is this. What are the medicinal components? Well, they're anti-inflammatory, number one. Number two, uh, they really amp up the immune system and so forth. And I say, okay, so there's curcumin and beta-glucan. You know, There are other areas, if indeed, Mushrooms aren't a vegetable, mushrooms are a fungus. And if indeed fungus has something to do with your disease, would you want to eat them? Then the light bulb goes on. Where, where is your heart on this? Well, I'm very aware that I'm a know the cause with Doug Kaufman, uh, who traditionally has said that mushrooms should be avoided. No, just feel free to. Okay, yeah. look, I, I, th I think that you and I talk a lot about yin and yang, talk mm -hmm. about starvation and plenty. Mm -hmm. uh, we talk about adversity and joy, love, uh, fighting, uh, uh, and being a warrior. Um, I think that there is good bacteria and there's bad bacteria. I don't want to say all bacteria is bad. Meningococcus, terrible. I don't want meningococcus. The lactobacillus in my gut, 
it's good. There is good and bad in everything. And I don't think we can just say, some things you can't. You can't say, well, there's good mercury and bad mer mercury. Right. There's good no, cyanide and bad cyanide. Those are toxic poisons. But in the natural world, and I think the evidence is solely accumulating that there are some mushrooms which have been used for thousands of years, which do add a benefit even in Doug's program because they are antifungal. There are bacteria which destroy fungi, there are some fungi which destroy fungi. And we know that things that are traditionally used medicinal mushrooms, the, the, the reishi mushroom, the mm -hmm. shaga mushroom, the cordyceps, the maitake, the lion's mane. I mean, lion's mane, the evidence that it remyelinates the nerves is, is becoming very good. I think that if you're open-minded and you acknowledge that there is good and bad and everything in the world, that we can find some medicinal benefits from many of those mushrooms. Your point, I think, is yes. Well, can we get those same benefits from other substances which avoids any risk from taking the mushrooms? Yes, possibly. I am comfortable enough having reviewed the literature that some of the well-researched medicinal mushrooms which have been used for thousands of years in traditional populations fit well onto the Doug Kaufman program mm. that bad fungus is bad for you. It's interesting because I... I read the literature that says these patients do very well on some of these mushrooms. You know, you mentioned lion mane and some of the others. Chaga is fascinating. I didn't know about it till maybe 10 years ago and began studying it. Um, and then it comes down to this, Greg. If I had cancer, you know, and, and read those papers, chaga and so forth, uh, would I attempt it? I, I don't know. I'm not there yet. I thank God, you know, knock on wood. I don't think I do. But... Uh, things change when you're diagnosed. Things changed for you when dad passed and mom is ill. Has that changed your ability to communicate with people? Are you more sensitive, softer, more introverted with patients now? Or how how has that stress changed you or has it changed you? Oh, it has. I think it comes back. I mean, you probably have to ask some other people that. Some some. Some people <laughs> would say, yes, James, oh, you're still an ass. But um, I think I have. And that ultimately, uh, one of the things I've learned is to stop worrying about what everybody else thinks about me. I can't change that. Uh, that's my reputation. That's other people's opinion. What, what I'm constrained on is my character. And I know that I'm a completely different person from the Greg Emerson that you met 10 years ago. Mm. And that's about making change. And I often think people say, I, I, I've changed. I changed from who I was yesterday. Say, no, you're not. It takes at a cellular level, it takes a long time to change. And I'm an absolutely different person. I'm a different doctor. I'm a different person than I was 10 years ago. And I'll be different in 10 years. But yeah, absolutely. The, the thing I learned from going through having my heart broken and, and going through the loss of my father and, and essentially losing my mother um, was, you know, I've cried more this year than I the rest of the 53 years of my life. And I'm not ashamed of that, and I've embraced the vulnerability. And by embracing the risk of life and embracing the vulnerability, what happens is that, sure, you let some pain in, but, boy, the amount of joy that you experience is, is magnified by multitudes. Mm -hmm. And that's much... I can put up with the pain. The pain out of pain comes great growth. You make the biggest changes, the most growth in your life from pain. So you, from the pain comes great growth but you get all this uh, joy and happiness in your life. And, and you grow from it. And you and grow from what, all of it. That's what life is all about. We've enjoyed this 25 minutes with Dr. Greg Emerson from Brisbane, Australia, as much as I have enjoyed the first time I met you and uh, all the fun you brought to our viewers on Know the Cause, all the, the seeds that you have planted here.
Thank you so much for being with us. It is so much fun. And I'm so grateful that you've given me this opportunity to come on the show and, and our old friendship that we've developed. Uh, yeah. it's, uh, I'll be writing about it in my gratitude journal it, tonight after my cold shower. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. My, my pleasure. Thanks, Dave. Thank you for listening to the Know the Cause podcast with Doug Kaufman. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating on iTunes or tell a friend. For more, visit us online at knowthecause.com or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash knowthecause.